Major Lindsay in Africa presents Erasing the Stigma, conversations about mental health in the legal profession. Welcome to Erasing the Stigma, conversations about mental health and wellness in the legal profession. I'm Mark Yakano, your host. I'm a managing director with Major Lindsay in Africa, the sponsor of this podcast. And I am delighted today to have uh, Taylor Welsh, the CEO of an innovative fitness and wellness company called Walker Tracker on today. And Taylor is gonna give us some guidance today on how to keep moving and stay fit while in quarantine. She's gonna give us pragmatic and practical tips and help us set reasonable expectations for ourselves during this difficult time. Taylor, welcome. Thank you so much, Mark. It's great to be here. Um, would you share your, your background with our audience? You have a, a really interesting background and, and you have a really interesting company. I'd love for them to learn a little bit about you before we start our conversation. Absolutely, happy to. Um, and as Mark said, I'm Taylor Welsh. I'm the CEO of Walker Tracker, um, which is a technology platform that drives employee well-being or member well-being through activity and wellness challenges, all virtual, uh, social connection, and insightful data. Uh, we've been around for about 14 years, and we work with organizations all over the globe. Um, personally, I started my journey in fitness, in the fitness world about 14 years ago as a personal trainer and group exercise instructor. I taught kickboxing, strength training, yoga, boot camp, spin, you name it, I've probably done it. Um, and during that time, I worked with so many clients that felt completely overwhelmed at the thought of exercise, let alone putting it into a routine. So understanding these barriers to entry for people was really helpful and um, deeply insightful for me in building a platform and designing these programs to motivate and encourage people of all levels uh, to get and stay active. So it also gave me these, these interesting perspectives into uh, my own routines. And so I'm experiencing some interesting crossover at this time where I'm usually someone who is going to the gym pretty regularly and that is not an option. So I'm getting pretty creative and trying to, um, but I just, I think it's really important for me to say that as a fitness professional and that someone that's spent their entire career in that space, I too am struggling. And so I think it's really important to realize that no one has this down pat. No one's doing it perfectly. Um, and we're all trying to find our footing right now. Taylor, that is very, very good perspective because I think that what we've learned is that people are coping with one, the mass deployment to their houses, two, the challenges of running schoolhouses, offices, kitchens while quarantined, uh, three, closer proximity to their spouse or partner than perhaps they ever planned on um, <laughs> from the hours of eight to six. And um, we find that a lot of people are judging themselves um, harshly. Uh, we talk about self-care but, but in, some, in some ways, um, in, in people's minds, self-care has become kind of a monumental task to take on. And they find themselves almost berating themselves, or we, we've seen this and heard this in talking to people, because they're not exercising like they, they, they feel they ought to be, or they're not meditating as long as they feel they ought to be, or they just feel overwhelmed. And one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on is because I thought both being in quarantine, being a fitness professional, you could help create maybe some, some um, more welcoming um, 
uh, a mindset about what people can reasonably expect and things they can do that are manageable. Absolutely. And one thing I, I would love to point out from the get-go is the word ought, because my word is should, and it's a word I've been trying to get rid of for about a decade now, but we tend to say, I ought to be doing this. I should be doing this, and especially around phys uh, physical activity and fitness expectations for ourselves. And just by changing that word out to I get to or I have the opportunity to, it's been really helpful for me in just changing that mindset. Well, yeah, I have to exercise. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. No, I get the opportunity to do this or I want to do this even. Um, and just that little mindset change actually kind of sends, uh, gives you the message of an invitation to exercise or find movement in your day. Change the paradigm from an obligation to um, uh, an object of enjoyment or uh, a, a perk or privilege that you you savor rather than uh, viewing it as an obligation or a, a judgmental um, thing you should or shouldn't do. Yeah, absolutely. I think from the get-go, if you're talking about I should do this or I should have done this, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure at the beginning. So uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was actually setting realistic SMART goals. And SMART can be used actually as an acronym, uh, specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. And so all of those are really important components as you're starting to structure fitness into your day or trying to continue those fitness routines, which is, you know, if you're, if you're setting these goals that are un, unattainable and you don't have access to the right things to make them possible, you know, you, you really are setting yourself up for, for failure or disappointment. Um, and as someone that is super competitive, especially against myself, and I know that a lot of our listeners are lawyers, and so I must um, conclude that you are probably competitive as well, um, you know, we want to win and we want to reach our goals. And so bringing the bar down to something that is achievable for yourself right now just means that you'll exceed your expectations and you'll most likely be able to take on new goals quicker um, rather than get in that self-defeating cycle. So. T tell me a little bit more about that in terms of re resetting your goals uh, in a way that, that that's kind of reality driven and manageable. Explain more how, well, explain how you've gone about doing that. What paradigm shift have you done in terms of your goals for fitness and wellness um, that are different than when you're um, not locked into your apartment? That's a, it's a, it's a difficult question because it's going to be different for everyone, but the, there's a couple of kind of overarching themes I'll touch on. Um, my first theme is be kind to yourself right now. So when you start to, to go down that pathway, which is ingrained in all of us, you know, that kind of self-defeating, being harsh on yourself, super competitive pathway in your brain, um, quickly flip the switch. You know, try to get off that railroad, off that pathway as soon as, or as, pos as, soon as you possibly can. Um, so there's a couple things that you can do. Leave yourself some room and allow yourself some space to create different types of movement. So if you are a gym goer, um, usually you're lifting weights. You don't have access to weights right now. Um, look for other ways to kind of satisfy that same goal um, with what you have access to right now, whether that's body weight exercises or it's finding weights in creative ways at your home. Some, uh, some activity or some ideas around that would be, you know, jugs of water. If we've got some, uh, you know, five-gallon water jugs at home, those can be used for exercise. I've had people show me they're using their animals for exercise. Like if you have a 40-pound dog, pick it up, do some squats. Uh, I think it's really an interesting time to be creative around using what is accessible to you. 
I know that uh, a lot of trainers have been encouraging people to use canned, you know, canned vegetables <laughs> or even wine bottles. I know one trainer, Roxy Jones, said you could load a backpack full of canned vegetables and do loaded squats and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, people have been really, and there's a lot of folks out there that are that that are putting out some really good body weight routines where you don't need equipment. And I think one of the things that, that struck me about that is, you know, there are differences between doing things that will allow you to maintain a level of fitness and acknowledging that you may not have the tools to make big gains from your baseline, but that there are ways to maintain without having the things we're normally used to, you know, in terms of a gym, a treadmill or, or what have you. What's your experience? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of things in everybody's homes that can be used as exercise equipment. Your body is your first tool anyways. So body weight exercises, you may go up in reps a little bit more when you usually have weight or load. Um, So instead of doing, you know, sets of 12 or 15, you might be doing sets of 30 or 50. Um, And that's where you're going to start to fatigue. But I think it is an interesting perspective to start, and you had mentioned this, to look at it from a place of um, preserving your fitness level rather than looking at big gains right now um, and allowing yourself just a little bit of space to do so. Um, So some of the other things you can use, uh, furniture, a sturdy bench or a chair or even an ottoman for step-ups, for air squats, for inclined push-ups. It could even be a bench for presses if you are using weights of any sort. Um, Your home. You can use your stairs. You don't have a stair climber any longer, but you probably have access to some stairs somewhere. Um, If you have any open space, that's a perfect environment for if you want to take on yoga or if you are looking to do body weight exercises. Um, Hallways. Hallways are usually the perfect distance to give yourself a goal. So you want to do walking lunges down the hallway, so you've got to do it five times. Now you have a perfect goal. You know exactly how many times you're going to do it, Um, and you can move up from there. As far as weights go, you had mentioned uh, backpack, and I love that idea. I haven't actually heard that yet. I've just kind of seen the the cans and the water jugs and the furniture and that sort of thing. Um, And then one other thing I would mention is there's a lot that you can do with towels. And I know this sounds a little funny, but... It's true, though. Sliders. Yeah, as sliders on your hardwood floor or your tile floor. So um, whether you're doing push-ups, you put it under one hand, you're sliding that out and back in, it adds uh, a level of difficulty. Um, Or even lunges, putting it under one leg and sliding it back, but keeping that first or the front leg um, in isolation. So you're working that leg a lot harder. And uh, even if you do have access to some sort of um, playground equipment, A lot can be done on a playground. So, of course, you want to make sure you either have gloves on or you're wiping down your equipment. Um, But if you have access to a playground or bars, you can do pull-ups or tricep dips or leg raises. So there is a lot you can do. You just have to kind of look outside the box of your typical gym equipment. The other thing I've I've noticed a lot of trainers are doing, and and you can still get them delivered on Amazon, is a lot of resistance work with, with bands, resistance bands which are not even particularly expensive. Sometimes they're 10, 15 bucks. Oh, absolutely. And so funny, I, at the beginning of this, like week one, I went on Amazon and I was, I was thinking, I'm gonna buy a bunch of gym equipment because I'm not gonna be able to get out of here. And then it was delayed by two weeks. And so I actually canceled my order. And now six weeks later, I'm wishing I had just done that. So if you're, if you're hesitant on doing it, just buy the bands. 
They'll get there when you need them and you'll be able to use them before this is over. So are, have you been tracking any, you know, online resources where there are trainers and people who are doing classes and things, even a lot of them at no charge that people can follow along either they're on their Instagram live feed for 24 hours or the IGTV, I guess it is, or, um, they're, they're streaming via zoom. Uh, I've been, I've been keeping track of, a, of a few and, um, it seems like there are a lot of options if you want to feel a sense of community. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's actually quite overwhelming and, and humbling to see how many apps out there are free right now. So if you haven't looked, um, I would encourage you to do so. Some of the ones that we're encouraging folks look at is core power yoga, all of their online classes for free right now. Down Dog Yoga app, which is the number one yoga app um, in the app store, is free until May 1st. Most likely will get extended as well. Uh, Planet Fitness is streaming all of their classes on, Fitbit, on uh, Facebook. Excuse me. Daily Burn is offering the next two months for free of at-home workouts. Fitness Blender, doing, Bar 3. I've been <laughs> doing the Daily Burn 30-day challenge. I'm on the last week. It's been phenomenal. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so there are a lot of resources, and um, I would even suggest people look in their area because I live in Portland, Oregon, and there's probably about 500 yoga studios here. There's almost as many as we do have uh, cafes, and a lot of them are still doing classes. Um, they do them via Instagram, as you mentioned, or Facebook or YouTube, and so you're able to just log in and still do your classes, and um, but do it from your home. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. And I think that um, just as we've learned in the workplace, that technology can be liberating, that it can allow us to collaborate and communicate. And a lot of the barriers of entry to the myths about the lack of productivity of remote work or the inaccessibility when you're working remotely have been knocked down. I think that um, a lot of the fitness providers have realized that they can continue to maintain contact with their with their customers and their followers and even build new customers and followers because they're able to um, offer these opportunities for people to work out and get some experience in their own homes when they don't feel awkward or or judged or or anything of that nature so i think that that is something that you know we strongly encourage our listeners to do is just do a little research on your local fitness community do go on mind body, which is a great app that has, mm -hmm. you know, tons of lists of providers and they'll have specials and deals. And then, you know, there are some providers that you referenced and that I'm familiar with that are doing things, you know, and making it easy for people, at least for a couple of months to do them without, without having to pay. One thing that I, I read, and I'd be curious on your take is that one of the things that you should think about is focus on movement. Don't overdo because you don't want to break down your immune system because because normally you might want to break yourself down and have, you know, and then build yourself up to recovery. But here it's kind of more important to maintain continuity of movement and not actually stress your immune system. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a really interesting point, and I couldn't agree more because, um, you know, these are these are circumstances unlike any in, in my lifetime and probably most of our listeners as well, uh, where the shift from, you know, maybe you are usually motivated by building your body in a certain way, but the shift should really be around health and well-being and, and, and holistic health. Um, 
So, yeah, it's not really a great time to be breaking down your muscles and building them back up, but really about maintenance. Um, because the lowered immune system obviously is, is uh, not something you want at this time. One of the things I read years and years ago when I used to do triathlons was one of the pioneers in the field, a guy named Dan, Dan Empfield, wrote a, a column for a triathlete, triathlete magazine about the dangers of all or nothing thinking. And his, his kind of thesis in his article was this. Triathletes tend to be very compulsive trainers and they tend to view if they don't get a four hour bike ride, then they shouldn't do a bike ride as opposed to get five 20 minute bike rides in over the course of a week and understand that you're cumulatively building um, strength. Don't don't think because you can't do four hours that 20 minutes isn't valuable. And so when you and I were prepping, you know, we kind of talked about the concept of movement in small bursts. And what what the cumulative value of moving in 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 short increments is? Um, can you can you tease that concept out a little bit? Because I think people tend to think, well, I need a whole hour, and I don't have a whole hour because my kid has a Zoom class, and I have a conference call, and I want to um, kind of break down for people what they can do in small windows. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as someone who is a complete all or nothing person, uh, when I decide to do something, I'm 110% in. Uh, I am also struggling with this because if I'm having a really hard time committing myself to 30 minutes or 45 minutes of continuous exercise, especially with all of the you know commitments and you are working from home. Um, so there's a lot more distractions. But what I've done, and this is the first time I've actually employed this strategy in my life, is I write down my goals for the day on a whiteboard. And I don't do them all at once. So maybe I've actually got them in front of me here. I've got 100 squats, 100 bridges, and 100 push-ups today. And I'm not going to do them all at once. I'm actually going to carve it out between my calls. So most likely it'll be, you know, three 10-minute bursts of energy throughout the day. And you actually get the same exact health benefits by breaking it up as you do if you do it all in one, um, one time or one section. That's, so, uh, I think, uh, a, a really important point to drive home. Breaking your exercise mm -hmm. up doesn't make it less effective than if you did it all at once. Yep, absolutely. And it means you're going to achieve it a lot easier. Um, because I have a hard time starting something if I know I'm not going to finish it. And that's that all or nothing thinking coming in again. So if I, if I know that I'm not going to have 30 minutes for, an, for a workout, then I kind of just won't do it. Um, so this way I'm actually able to take bite-sized pieces off, but then I look at the end of the day and I'm like, okay, wow, I've done 250 different ex exercises today. Yes, they didn't all happen within 30 minutes, but I got the same benefits and it's going to propel me forward in reaching new goals. And tomorrow I'm going to feel like I can do it again. And I think a lot of the, a lot, a lot of the, or what the goal is right now is just to get it done, right? To actually have exercise built into your day. To piggyback off of that, you know, breaking it up into manageable parts throughout the day, um, there's two, two things that I'll mention that are really helpful for me. First is to schedule it. So I find that if I sit down in front of my computer and I'm inundated by emails and conference calls and sales calls and internal meetings and all this stuff throughout the day, if I don't schedule it, my time is gone. It's 7 p.m. and now it's time to spend time with my family or cook or whatnot. And so I have to actually carve time out for it throughout the day. Um, which has been really useful for me, and I treat it like any other appointment. It's an appointment with myself, 
but um, I'm going to do it just like I would honor a call with my employees or a call with a customer or anything like that. So it's not an option if you build it into your schedule. And the second thing is to set boundaries. And if you're anything like me, you are working, living, eating, exercising, doing everything in one place right now. And so it's really easy for all of those things to kind of blend together. But if you can create some boundaries, whether that's like I exercise in this space, I eat in this space, and then I uh, work in this space and kind of clearly delineating between those, it can help you actually transition between those things and make sure that you're doing it instead of getting distracted while you're exercising because you see that, um, you know, you've gotten a new email or something like that. So parsing those things out just a little bit and setting clear boundaries can help you build that structure into your life. I have found that to be extremely helpful. I have been, um, I will have to say, I've been remarkably disciplined in, in ways that I didn't think I was capable of in terms of continuity of exercise. And it really mm -hmm. came from, you know, doing a program. I did Hip Burns 30 Day Challenge and being part of the private Facebook community so that I felt like this, um, this um, collective energy. It involved doing um, some live stream classes with my local fitness studio. So I feel that connection, but I've been good about scheduling it. And I make sure that where I work and where I work out are separate and where I eat is separate. And so there's a little area in the living room. This little, my little dojo. <laughs> there's, um, there's an area in the dining, dining room table. That's my office. And then there is the huh? island, which is where I take my nourishment. But, you know, I mean, it's all on one floor and it doesn't seem like it's it's important, but it is because my computer isn't by my exercise equipment, the little the little that I have. And my, I'm not eating food among my papers. So I, I think that's a, a, a great, great suggestion and, and, and putting it on the calendar. Because you know, in a lot of cases, when you're going to have calls, when you're not, and you know when your kids are going to have their classes and stuff. So scheduling 10 minutes on your calendar to do, you know, 30 squats or 40 squats or whatever, you know, 50 push-ups, whatever it is, by just setting those little timers and you just go to that area and you do it. And I don't mean to imply it's easy because you and I both know it isn't, but it does <laughs> help to impose a structure and to impose a structure that in and of itself isn't overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just thinking right now, it's like make, make or lower the barriers to entry for exercise for yourself right now. If there is anything you can possibly do to best set yourself up for actually doing the exercise, you know, why not? Like if yeah. it means that you're creating boundaries or you're trying to build it into your calendar every single day, um, if you're feeling like, eh, I don't think that'll work, just try it. You know, like if you can just lower any boundaries right now or any barriers to entry, I just think you should, you know, do it. Like, let's make it the easy option. I'm all about making it easy for people and myself as well. That, that is really, really good advice. I, I think one thing before we wrap up that I'd like to explore with you is we've talked about movement. We've talked about scheduling some movement. We've talked about breaking movement down and we've talked about maintenance. One thing we haven't talked about is something that it's intensely hard for people to do, but is intensely essential to, to, to survival, which is breathing. Yeah, it is super important and we all forget about it. Um, so you can, and, and I don't know if uh, a lot of the listeners here know who Wim Hof is, 
Um, if you don't, I, I suggest you go Google him. He's an incredible human. But you can control so much of your anatomy and your environment by just the way you breathe. Whether it's paying attention to your breathing or it's changing the way you breathe, um, it's kind of like a mini vacation from your life if you can use it correctly. I think that that is um, a great point. And I want to stress to the listeners that that doesn't necessarily mean you have to go full meditation and don't let the concept of meditation and, you know, derail you from thinking about breath work because learning to count your breaths or learning to inhale and fill your, you know, your ribs with breath and, and, you know, five minute breathing sessions with some guidance um can be can be enormously beneficial don't let the concept of meditation or the thinking that you need a perfect setting or a perfect room or bells or gongs or anything else uh, uh undermine the fact that if you can take five minutes a couple of times a day to breathe you will think clearer and feel better and i i think we we, we often forget how essential breath is and most of us don't really consciously think about breathing better we just sort of breathe by default. Yeah, most of us are unconscious of that aspect. Um, like when was the last time you stopped and you took a really deep breath? Um, I think we should all try and employ that strategy at least a couple times a day. And I really like what you just said about meditation because I actually use the word mindfulness because I think meditation uh, does come with a lot of stigma. People are afraid to start or, you know, they do expect they need gongs and whistles and all the things but it is the most accessible thing that you can do for your mental health right now. Be mindful, be present, whether that's downloading Headspace or Calm, which both are free right now, or it's taking three deep breaths and focusing on your body. Um, there's a lot of very, very easy ways to be mindful throughout your day and practice those. Uh, one really entry-level book uh, to breath work is called Just Breathe, and it's by Dan Brule, and it was the first book I read around breathing and um, Kind of using that as a mindfulness and meditation strategy and it's super accessible it's kind of you know the 30,000 foot view of all the different breathing techniques that are out there so if one really speaks to you then you can dive in get another book research it and, and try to employ that but um, this is a really good entry-level breath work um, book it's great it's really really accessible you could read it in a couple of days and it's also something that you don't have to read cover to cover you can look and see what is really speaking to you and just read that part. That's an excellent, excellent recommendation. And I think um, one thing people are doing a lot more of is reading. And especially if it isn't dense and it is accessible, I think people will um, respond positively because breath work is, doesn't have to be mystifying or cosmic. It's just a you know, it's a process of slowing down and, and just learning to control your lungs. And, and it has all sorts of, you know, positive impacts on the rest of your systems and organs. So, so you know, that doesn't require any equipment but yourself. Um, and um, I, I'm glad you were able to, to, to make a recommendation. Before, um, before we sign off, because we're trying to keep these things um, succinct for our people these days who listen, is can you um let the world know where they can find more information about walker tracker yeah absolutely so you can find us on the web walkertracker.com and then all of our handles for instagram facebook linkedin everything is just at walker tracker um and i have one last thought i would love to leave listeners with right now if we have a moment have it. 
Let's have it. Awesome. <laughs> so this is the most critical thing for me at this moment because, again, black and white thinker, all in, all out, but and, and thinking kind of I should or I ought to be doing these things. So all of the stuff that we talked about today is something that I actually live every single day. So I think that's important to mention. But the one, one strategy that I feel like overarching is going to help everyone is employ a strategy that works for you, for you and not anybody else. And so whether you think you ought to be doing yoga every single day or you ought to be doing mindfulness practice or breath work or weightlifting or whatever it is you think you should be doing, take a step back from that and think about what you can actually commit to doing and you know you'll be successful at. And once you find something that you enjoy, whether that's, I mean, it could be dancing, it could be Pilates, it doesn't matter what it is, but if you find a strategy that works for you as an individual, that's what you will stick with. That, that is great advice. And I think that it's important right now to feel good about what you're doing and to avoid the inevitable comparisons that we struggle with in non-stressful times with what other people are doing or they're representing they're doing on social media. Um, right now is not the time for the comparison culture. This is a good time to figure out what feels good for you and, and to just do it without really yeah. worrying about what everybody else says they're doing or how they're curating what they're doing um, on social media and other channels. So that I think Taylor was, was a really great thought to, to, to impart to our listeners. Thank you for that. We do re need to recognize that that's only a part of their lives. So you're seeing what they've curated for content and pushed outward to the world. You have no idea what they're actually living, you know, day to day. So um, you may, you know, have a guru, a fitness guru that you follow or whatnot, but um, you don't know that they're not struggling with exactly the same thing that we all are right now. So I think that's also kind of an important element, which is, you know, uh, that idolization of fitness figures, uh, you know, they may be struggling just as much as you, but you're only seeing one tiny little part of their life. And I think, you know, one final thought on that is this. Don't forget that working out is their business. It's not yours. <laughs> yes, you absolutely. Know, what people do for a living in terms of fitness is very different from what you do as a person trying to be fit or more well. Um, because it's not your job. Your job, your job isn't about being physically engaged, you know, for five or six hours a day. Your job is to try and do your job and be good to your family and stay well. So people, you know, people should be cognizant of the fact that they can't really measure themselves against fitness professionals because their job is by def definition very different. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for being my guest. Again, I've had Taylor Welsh, the CEO of Walker Tracker, as our guest on this episode of Erasing the Stigma, Conversations About Mental Health in the Legal Profession. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed listening, and we hope that you'll find that Taylor offered some very practical and pragmatic advice to help you keep moving and stay well. Taylor, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Mark. Discover how Major Lindsay in Africa can help you navigate the legal landscape at www.mlaglobal.com.